Good evening and welcome along to G'day GEA, brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all current offers. Shawnee, thanks for hosting us here this evening. No problem at all. You're very welcome to uh, Patterson Road in Bentley. And Giggles, great to have you along with us yeah, tonight. We're talking again, Liam. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have our ups and downs, but it's like you and the, you and the listeners, Giggles. For the, just in case the listeners don't know, we had a bit of a very heated um, training session last Friday night where um, Liam and uh, Giggles went at it, hammer and tongs. There was some fists and hurlies uh, thrown at the time, so we're all back talking again yeah, after a um, disappointing day yesterday down in Gaelic Park. Yeah, we had a disappointing loss to Sinn Féin in the league semi-final. Um, all the, the fighting fury on Friday probably took it, took it out of us, didn't it? <laughs> it probably did, yeah. <laughs> We're a pint short at the end of it, so yeah. Two <laughs> riled up on Friday night and failed to deliver yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, left all your frustration out on Friday night. Yeah, I ah, love good win for Sinn Fein, but playing them again in four weeks' time, hopefully, we, it, can, yeah. we can rally again. Um, look, great to be back here tonight. We did a great episode last week. Um, we had lots of feedback obviously on the competition and well done to Mike Walsh on, on winning and his jersey he's picked the Sligo goalkeeper jersey as the jersey he'd like medium player fit he said for the guns Yeah, yeah he wanted yeah, something yeah. nice and tight <laughs> fitting so he needs to get working on them if he wants it for the guns um, but I yeah, su- I was surprised. I was showing him the, the Galway, the cam- Galway camouflage jersey. I was surprised he didn't go for that. Now it's a kind of an unusual one. I go for the Kerry away one, that black and gold one. Go, that's, that's I think that's a lovely jersey. jersey. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, we got a lot of feedback on on the episode last week um, on at GA on Twitter and also on Instagram. Um, first up, we had a tweet or sorry, a Facebook or sorry, Instagram comment from the, um, the Wandsworth Gales at Insta One's Worth Gales. Uh, check out this brilliant GA podcast with that G'day GA who chat to Melbourne Knight, James Woolway about taking up gig football with London's newest club. Brilliantly put together. Thanks very much to Lenny, John, Shawnee and Jamie for putting together. Thanks very much for getting in touch, boys. I know we had a lot of hits we could see in the London area listening to the podcast this week, so no doubt oh, brilliant. all the ones were Gales and hopefully the wider community in London was tuning in. Um, we also had a, a tweet in from Dolan Fitzpatrick at... Pegasus, I.I., interesting one. Uh, tweet in, probably aimed at you, Giggles. Sorry to be grumpy, but Tommy Walsh only played a game or two in his life in the full back line in Intercounty. Sort of makes a mockery of the process from the get go. Yeah, I, like, I, I think I, I took a bit of heat last week there on picking of the team, and I probably wasn't ready for it, but I was thinking about it during the week. Like, everybody, including yourselves now, actually put rules and regulations around this. The thing I said to you was pick the best team that you'd like to pick in the last 25 years. That's all I said. But suddenly people had to come in with rules that you had to play in that position or you had to win an all-star in that position. And like I asked the question to a number of people, who would you prefer to mark if you were a corner forward, Tommy Welch or Brian Murphy? I can tell you 99% of people have said they prefer to mark Brian Murphy. So I stand by my f- my, my team. No, I think I'd my prefer team to mark uh, uh, Tommy Welch because Tommy Welch would be too loose. Brian Murphy would be on your <laughs> case all day. Look, we won't get back into this, but fairness to Giggles, he is right in saying that Giggles came up with this idea. He didn't put any rules around it. You and me put some rules around it. Well, that's the way yeah. when we were picking our team. That's the way yeah. we kind of. That's the way we said we adjudicated. Yeah, exactly, that's yeah, our yeah. basis, yeah. and and it's only me and Liam. Like that's only our opinion. But no, but but your man, what was his name again? Liam, sorry. Donny Fitzpatrick. Donny Fitzpatrick. Yeah, making a mockery of the process. The, the process. There was no process. Like it was the all stars. Fair enough. <laughs> 
yeah. but it was just an old process. Yeah, so. But it has debi- like generated a lot of debate out of there, which is what, which that, what exactly we wanted. Want yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, so thanks for getting in, in touch, Donald. Um, we also got a tweet in from Tom Murphy at Tom Murphy underscore thirty two. I didn't win the best hurler of the last twenty five year comp, but the Gaelic Games Junior Academy of Western Australia got to mention the latest excellent episode from the boys. Thanks very much. Hashtag Sean McMahon rules. <laughs> so I think he wasn't happy with some of your commentary, Sean. You know, look, we won't. No, and, I I, and I actually just want to row in on this there. No, there was one man I forgot to um, mention last week. Well, he actually, I actually have him in my best 25 of the last, last, sorry, best 15 of the last 25 years. And that's the, I think is the best centre-back of all time is Brian Cochran. I'm not going to go through my team here now, but that's <laughs> no, he is the best okay. centre-back, I, I would say, of the last 25 years. He put in a man of the match display in 99 against Kilkenny. He, he was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he was a brilliant centre-back. He got an all-star, a corner-back centre-back and corner-forward. Yeah, he probably played full forward really that year. Yeah. Right, that's kind of a giggle's pick. <laughs> um, we also did get some feedback, though, on a more serious note, saying, great podcast, Shawnee would want to watch the language, though. So, Shawnee, have you any... Anything to say about you? You, you used the F word on last week. I would show. just like to officially apologise to all the listeners out there for my <laughs> bad use of language. Um, we do I have a lot of family people listening. I, yeah, I, d- I haven't I haven't listened back to it out of um, just pure out of shame out of it really. I didn't want to <laughs> listen back to my bad language because I don't like bang la- bad language myself. So apologies for that. Good on you, Shani, for owning up to it. And you know, a fair play to you. Now, look, we do have a bumper show today. We are what we're going to be covering is uh, we have a very special guest with us. We'll, we'll let you listen to his intro to have a guess who it is. Um, an All-Ireland winner, um, amongst other things, a Fitzgibbon Cup winner, um, another 21 All-Ireland winner, four Senior Football Championships winner as well. Amongst other things. Uh, amongst other things. <laughs> so he's a high-profile guest, so he's going to go through a couple of things. He's going to cover his his inter-county career, his time in Australia where he played some hurling, hurls in America as well, um, and hurled with another county as well you might have guessed them by now um, and we're also going to look ahead to the, just to the season in general we have another fantastic competition we're working on the prize at the moment but we have a, a nice little comp for all the listeners to get involved in and we have the rules up front this time <laughs> so um, we'll just get into it now and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get our guests on the line Well, lads, I think we've our biggest, most famous star to date on the phone. Delighted to be joined by All-Ireland winner John Mulhall. Great to have you on, John. Well, Liam, how are you? Well, lads. How are you going, John? Now, I must disclaimer up front that I was in secondary school with John for five years in his class. I went to UCC with him for three years as well. And did live with him in Melbourne for eight weeks as well. 
but he lived with me. So I'll just put that all out there up front. And can we clarify that you did kick him out of the house in Melbourne? That is correct. We just <laughs> we just put all that on, on the table up from, from the start. It was, a, it, was a, it was my lowest moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, we get we get to that in time. We've plenty of time now, John. Thanks Back for taking <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. But um no look, we we might just start, John, with your time with Kenny. Um obviously you had your breakthrough year in, in, in Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> breakthrough year done probably in, in 2010 um, you're yeah. probably the foreign player of the league but I suppose would it, would it be fair to say that your your performance at UCC in the Fitzgibbon in 2009 was probably the catalyst for getting that that step up I know you're on the extended panel but getting that that run in the league the following year do you think it came from that Fitzgibbon in 2009 um, yeah I was I was on the panel in I was Trend in 08, the year war forgot to the final for a good bit. And then I was, 09, I was in there for the league. I tugged out every game of that league, but I never, I got one run. I got, I came on again, Limerick. And then we won the Fitzgibbon and then I was, wasn't on the panel in 09 championship. And then proceeded into 2010, but I was in Queens, so I didn't think I was going to get a look in that year but then I was on work placement so it worked out alright from January onwards so I got on the panel in 2010 early and, and John like those league games you were playing wing forward I suppose you were probably Kenny's main scoring forward for those four or five games you went on a serious run um, score wise remember seeing you down playing down the Cork you scored 1-3 or 1-4 buried one Don Log. you were delighted with that um, but you didn't transfer through, I suppose, to start in the championship, but you did play a part in, in every game that year. Um, what was it like? Like, you were in that 2010, that pretty vintage Kilkenny team. Like, I know you had played minor with Kilkenny or 21 with Kilkenny, but coming in and all of a sudden you're in you're in a panel that's going for five all earns in a row. Like, how did you, did you just go in and just play hurling like you normally did or did you feel a bit of, I know, nervousness around that? Well, I think it was, I got a good start because I was there, say the lads only got back probably train, say mid-January, say, and that time I was flying. So I was just, I trained well, say, from January, I was probably a bit ahead of lads. And then the matches came, say, ticking fast. There was actually snow that year in 2010, which delayed the first round a couple of rounds of games and I wouldn't have been able to play against Tip it got delayed because of snow two nights in a row got cancelled I think wasn't it yeah or something like that and I wouldn't have been able to play with a Ryan Cup clash or something if it had to be on its original date and it was called off and then I was able to play then two weeks after and I played it well that day and then I got the rest of the league then more or less as a result of that so that's probably I got in and then championship time there was no way I was going to be playing with everyone back up to speed and all the boys like and they were going for five in a row but I got on all the matches I suppose which was great that time It's interesting you say that John we, we were chatting a couple of weeks ago about the Paddy Murray scenario and you were saying that you wouldn't have been playing if it was a Ryan, a Ryan Cup match what, what was Cody like for that kind of college inter-county clash with all the players in the panel? He has never any issue with that. Even this year, like Parry Welsh was allowed to go play with Manute in the 
the Ryan Cup final. And I don't think he played the Tipperary match. He didn't, no. No, so, I didn't, yeah. Like, I know next year, I said this year, the GA just, everyone didn't know what was going on. But next year, they'll obviously change a good few things so that things won't be clashing. Maybe get rid of a round of the league. Maybe the quarterfinals. But that's all. That's the way the club hurling is now. We're getting into a different thing there now. But there's going to be huge issues and, if they iron out a few technical things, the current system will be great, I'd say. Yeah, if it didn't start raining and snowing for about a month and a half, they might have got away with it. But uh, you kind of yeah, come, no, ac- you was- kind of come across in the field, John, as a lad who doesn't care. But obviously, you put in a lot of work and and you kind of train very hard, and, and you obviously got there in 2011. What's your mantra when you approach a game? Like, do you, do you generally get nervous, or do you kind of think if I get nervous now, there's no point, I'll, I'll play shite? Um. I'd say I get like back then I had no nerves really the only match I was ever nervous we got to the county final in 2007 with my own club and we were all 19 a good cohort of us and I literally can't remember anything of the game I can remember every other game coming on all Ireland's and all that but that game just went like a blur and we never got back there after and say it's an amazing thing when you're 30 now looking back that that was the only game I got nervous so maybe just it was the club element that it was that bit closer and if you won with your club maybe it would have meant a bit more but yeah that was the only game I ever got nervous in say 2010 coming on the All-Ireland against Tip I had no nerves or even 2011 so that's very interesting John um yeah, it's very interesting actually because like you're coming on a team there with a, a, a like a bunch of stars as well, and, and not only just getting nervous playing all Ireland finals, but also playing with the likes of the JJ Delaney's, Shefflin, Fenley's, Eddie Brin, and all those lads who've done it before. Yeah, and that's been like it's it's amazing how you don't have you know that that you have that mental control that where you can just and go and just play like you're like an under fourteen. You are like you're coming on. You were just say, I who did I come on for? I came on for came on for TJ Reid in twenty ten, which was sounds mad now, all right. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I came on that day. Yeah, he but, just said go in and. But would you ever be looking over to the go. side? No, um, you know, not over to the line. No, but looking over at Henry, like if you did something wrong or anything like that, you wouldn't have that mindset like the villas. He was saying, "Oh fuck, your man is going to hit off me here now after." You know, I'm missing a ball or whatever like that. Yeah, no, no. There was never, like, there was never any giving out or anything. You were just allowed to do your own thing. Like, yeah. and should the game plan was just <laughs> get, back then it was getting up to the forwards, but obviously Ireland has changed a lot since. But, um, like, there'll never be a group of hurlers like that ever again that were all so brilliant in their positions yeah and then and then six forwards behind them that were equally as brilliant well you, not you equally brilliant, yourself, John, nearly yeah. as brilliant as them yeah including yourself i'm not, not i'm not putting including myself in that <laughs> <laughs> well, what, was it was it was it as simple as that back in 08 or 09 and, and 10 like you it was the backs were going to be at the yeah, cap we, out we, yeah, and drive we, the ball we, up to the forwards well like you were going. They were going for five years in a row. Then, obviously, Henry and John Tennyson got injured and bringing them back. Like 
there used to be 15,000 at the training sessions and is that, like, a that was normal is that actually like, true? Used, there was buses coming from Antrim and Cork and like Henry Shevin used to take an hour to get, get off the field after training for before the All-Irelands and stuff John is that it's actually a myth or actually did it actually happen that no, that was that actually, 15,000 train sessions. The big, the big stand in Nolan Park and the other side with the little stand used to be completely full. More than that would have been at a county final. I, so I, there was probably yeah. twelve to 15,000. I, I was at the one, I suppose the, the biggest one was the one where Sheffield was go, was training the, the week before that Ireland yeah. final where he was gone and he had done his cruciate and then the rumour went around to actually know he's actually going to be training on Friday night and he's going to be playing. And I remember, I remember going to that and I remember I had a friend from Tip, Shane Welch, who lived in Feathered. He came up to Kilkenny that day to come over to the training with me. And yeah, the, the two stands were full in Kilkenny. You know what I mean? And there was Sheffield playing. Like, like that was the, the hype that was going around that drive for five that time. Like it was... Yeah, like it, I remember, like, you wouldn't even notice the crowd. You'd be just laughing away, like, you know, poking around before and... There was like people just sitting there waiting for training. Then the match would start, and it was like, it was kind of a weird. Like if a goal went in, like if Richie Power used to do something ridiculous or a top corner goal or something like this, the crowd would be just like going mental, and you're like, I don't know what you were thinking. You're just like, oh, you <laughs> were just in it. You know? There was no, it was mad. It was mad. But but Looking John. Back. Just go back to your UCC days, John. Obviously, you had that brilliant year in 2009 winning the Fitzgibbon and scoring, I think, 1 4 in, in that final. I think he might have got man of the match. No, I think Joe Jordan got man of the match, actually. Sorry, but you were probably yeah. top scorer top score in the final, anyway, from play. But the year before, Mark Landers was the, was the manager. And am I right in saying that he dropped you off the panel? Uh, yeah, well, he was there for the two previous years, second and third year. And I got dropped before the Fitzgibbon boat years. Yeah. Study, studying um, too hard. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't even that. It's just I think it was a clash of personalities. Really, was the um, it used to kind of clash more or less. He carries the whole way to the championship end, and then the first round would come, and I wouldn't be on the panel. So that happened for two years. But um, I remember one day we were playing Port Tumna in kind of February time before the Fitzgibbon and he brought me on and Port Tumna were going well at the time and um, I was wearing a hoodie under the jersey and he was going mental so I ran on anyway and I threw it over a lad's head and scored and just swung the hurl and I was like that's for you Lander and, I didn't. I was dropped after that day. <laughs> you can do nothing right, so you can't. <laughs> no, but then he called me a monkey. But that was that. Done for that then. But like, it's funny that though. Like, yeah, because you were dropped for those. Oh, you monkey, you. <laughs> but like, it's funny. Like, if Landers had stayed on for that, you know, that following year, and you hadn't had yeah. that Fitzgibbon yeah. run, now you might have still got called into Kilkenny and played. But like that Fitzgibbon run, like Cody does look at the Fitzgibbon for farm. And like lads who are playing well there, so it's you know. Yeah, we were very lucky in '09. The great Paul O'Connor of um, of Cork City UCC. came on the scene, and um, 
he was an unbelievable manager. He'd won five Fitzgibbons and he'd won four, three as manager in, say, 98, 97, 98, 99. And, um, oh, he was an unbelievable man. Um, Why was he so good, he, uh, John? He was unbelievable. He was sound. He was brilliant. Oh, he was just a good a man manager, man, it sounds like it. Die for him. Yeah. Hmm? He was a good man manager by the sounds of it. Unbelievable. But his thing was, right, in UCC, like you have probably 15 county stars or whatever. But he didn't look at that. He was looking at just the ethos of the team. And the, he was looking for not characters, but lads who were into it. So then that year, everyone got a chance to say, Don Hanley, a guy who had played Limerick minor, but hadn't played, say, Limerick under 21, really, or senior, got a chance alongside other lads like myself and other lads who were, say, not on Kenny Senior panels or Tip Senior panels, but were good, good hurlers. And the whole thing just gelled together. You had Nash, Shane O'Neill, who were established mm-hmm. stars, Richie Foley, and then you had kind of Bill lads Beckett. like myself, Bill Beckett, Don Hanley, lads who weren't on county teams and you'd have done anything for that man. You'd have died for him, really. And we won. We bet you well in the final who had a team of more or less county players like they always do every year. But it was just a gel formed between all those different characters. Yeah, I was you well not myself, but I was, I was gone a couple of years at that stage. But I was down watching the match in Parnell Park and... I was fancying UL to beat beat UCC well that day, and Jeezy blitzed the living crap out of him, didn't he? Yeah, I was. It was a great, it was a great day and a great week after. Really, yeah. <laughs> a week, yeah. Well, well, look back back to twenty ten, John. You did, you did come on the Ireland final for TJ, like you said, and you did score a point, like which is no mean feat coming up, you know, coming in in that game. Like the game was still probably in the melting pot at that stage. Like Kenny might have been down by four or five points, but like it wasn't until that final goal where it was probably fully put to bed. Um, and to t- just just on to 2011, like I remember talking to you in 2010 after the game and you were kind of saying, look, when Tip came at you like that, like there was probably nothing in the well for Kilkenny. Like they were going for five in a row or Tip were going for their first in, what was it, nine years? You know what I mean? Like, and as a team, we're going for five in a row, even though you had that drive. Like it just probably wasn't nothing to go to for that last ten fifteen minutes where Kilkenny previously might have eked something out like they did the year before in two thousand and nine, where that result came out of nowhere and you could have said they robbed Tip that day, you know, like just Tip just weren't going to be beaten in two thousand and ten. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, maybe I, I don't know really. Just looking back, you could say that, but like if when it got real close at that stage, it could have turned on anything really. Like a goal, say Richie Power hit a ball over the bar with about 10 minutes to go. It just went barely over. Like if a goal had to go in at any stage, it could have changed that game. Um, Like it did in 9 but like Tip got the better of us on the day. That mm, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a killer losing to Tip, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, like... Uh, it is, yeah. Yeah, no, like Tip probably deserved it on the day there. Carver was on fire and mm. that was that. And look, with 2011, Jen, and obviously we won't go through, we won't go through the, the season in total, but you, you got that All-Ireland medal, which was fantastic. But I suppose, you know, this has been well said at this stage, but you'll probably remember the most for that infamous song you sang um, in the Dunstores car park on the 
on the Monday night after winning the game. Now, I know there's a few people helped out with the lyrics in that one, but you know, people yeah. say that was the undoing of John Mulhall. It was is that a fair synopsis? It wasn't really. It was um, it was probably say going into twenty twelve. It was probably hanging over me, alright, and probably yeah, uh, bits and bobs. But like twenty twelve, I just the league didn't go right for me. I was getting on five ten minutes at the end of matches, and balls were coming to me, and I was hitting them wide and different things, and then I felt under pressure. Probably the song, maybe. I don't know, there was a little bit of pressure from it that, that you, you were putting pressure on yourself, maybe that's... I don't know, really. Maybe it didn't, maybe it didn't, but, but to me, it had no... It was good old crack at the time, and he enjoyed <laughs> it, and we we all enjoyed it, really. I'm sure, yeah, but I'm but, sure there's always um, songs after all Ireland's where there's... Or even there's antics after all Ireland's where somebody is, is acted up a bit more than anybody else, and... I'm sure Cody has always had jokers in the dressing room. I remember Tommy Walsh having his speech as well after one uh, All Ireland final, and he probably yeah. he probably reared up Cody rather than actually angered him <laughs> at the same time. But like, I'm sure he's had jokers all the way through all of his years. And oh no, yeah, Jesus, yeah, no, there was. It was just that the song was so catchy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe it hadn't happened before. Like maybe people be singing Rosamund Kind or something. Yeah. But it was a little bit different. But <laughs> um, I remember listening to it the next morning with Matty Root in the in the um, hotel, and it was just uh, just laughing. It's like, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I remember waking uh, up. I remember waking up over here, and I watched. It. I wasn't home for that all Ireland then. The next morning, I had a text of my mother. Oh, you have to hear Mulhall's song. I was like, "Oh my God, what has he done? What has he done?" The next minute, it's all over the front of the papers, the lyrics front page of the Kenny people that week. I was I was oh. driving through Kenny on the Tuesday, and this mother and her two kids were in the back, and we drove past, and there was we were at traffic lights, and you know the way like two cars might um, say link together, and I looked across at her, and she looked across at me. And the two of us just started laughing. <laughs> and the two kids were like, is that, is that trouble I was singing? So that was, you know, like it was, it was funny at the time. You're, you're a player for the people, John. <laughs> and John, well, yeah, would, it, would, it, would it be fair to say, John, um, like I guess with Cody's time, you didn't hear from Tommy Welch or JJ Laney or Ernie Shefflin that often when they were playing like in, you know, it mightn't be a, a written rule, but maybe it's an unwritten rule in that Kilkenny team that you just didn't go to the media and stuff. And now you see the personalities coming out like Tommy Welch and JJ Laney on, on the podcast and on an RT, and they're, they're very, you know, great to listen to and all that kind of crack. W- would there have been an unwritten rule in the camp like that you just didn't do media? Uh, no, but I suppose those guys when were when they were there, they weren't going to give anything away because. Like if you're part of his team set up, it's I think it's an unwritten rule GA mentality that if you give you know you're not going to be saying like the media want to know like what are you doing in training and you know and for that team that were going so well people were wondering what is the key or what's what are they doing differently to everyone else so like. 
it was that um, idea of the unknown of what they were doing. So then, obviously, when they were going to be asked questions like that, they weren't going to say answer them or not. Not that there was anything special going on, you know. Yeah, no, fair point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but I think it's more even though the personalities that have come out since, like, like no one would have had Tommy Walsh. Yeah down for outside of Kilkenny potentially that he is this character yeah. you know what I mean like on the radio now on News Talk and he does you know the stuff and off the ball his commentary yeah. even on Air Sport like, like he's brilliant you know he's, what I mean yeah, and, and, his passion yeah, oozes all the areas like, looking back on it after that the characters like that team was labelled as like robotic or something that there was no characters even though they were always there it was unbelievable that it's only kind of I don't know, was it hidden or, I don't know, they were always like that, it was just, and unbelievable characters in the dressing room that you die from, you know, that kind of a, mm. um, like, you, you hear Tommy's passion when he speaks, like, he was like that in a dressing room before all the matches, every match. And look, it was so, another... Hard to lose a game when you have that, like, him speaking before. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And look, and another interesting one on that, I suppose, is, we've heard a lot of interviews since about how lads finished up, and particularly David Herity was on off the ball one evening there with uh, Michael Rice. It was the way he texted Cody and brought him in, and you know, could meet for a coffee and told him he was finishing up. And Cody more or less goes, "Well, you had a good run there, David." Like, <laughs> that was it. Like David Herity said, he was hoping he was going to get a hug. Well, good looking, thanks. Yeah, good looking. Yeah. I think he was asking a bit more share. But John, we were all into your Kenny career. I suppose back in 2012 was after the league final. I think it was Clare. I think that year Kenny played the league final. I could be wrong there in 2012. But you you got a phone call. I think it was before a a challenge match with Offaly. Is that right? Um. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was just 30 second phone call. Um. John, we're moving on without you for this year, and that was that. that <laughs> It was as simple as that, and I was like, thanks, and he was thanks, and that was it. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, probably six years later, looking back at it, probably I didn't need a, probably would have liked a hug, I suppose. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was grand, sure. I, maybe at the time, I probably thought if I heard well, 2012, championship I might get back another year after but then as time moves on you just move on with life and yeah there was no issue kind of you just get on with it and get on with your life and move on and did you think did you think John though that you were definitely going to get back in at some stage I'd imagine as a inter-county player where you're coming up through college and you're still young I think it was 23 was it yeah pretty young like so yeah 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 probably yeah I was probably the youngest man ever to be <laughs> gone. <laughs> Winning um, on Ireland Middle and get drafted again. <laughs> yeah, no. And looking back at it, look, I got to enjoy the rest of my 20s. Yeah. If, yeah. if I look back now and if I was still on it, I'd have six or seven All Ireland medals, but sure. <laughs> Once you have one, that's the most important <laughs> thing, John. No, yeah, but probably would I go back and. Have six or all Ireland medals, or just the, the way I am now. I don't know what I'd have done really. I probably, probably, definitely would have got dropped again. I suppose. <laughs> Most of Waterford boys to take one as well, John. <laughs> I was going to say it. I was going to say. There's many a hurler has gone through their careers and never got near a medal. So, 
I'd yeah. say you're going just no, yeah, lucky. It's it's a great when you get that one like I would have always looked after myself in college in Cork and Queens and different things and like when you get your whole life twenty years of age and you get to that level and you get onto that team that was the greatest team of all time and you win in All Ireland, it is the kind of a I don't know, you've reached the top of what you can reach, you know what I mean? Yeah. And probably looking back, it's kind of a level that you're, you've made it or you've done it, you know, and you can do it over and over again, but that takes a special kind of character really, doesn't it? Mm. To keep going back to the well and like, I don't know how Brick Welsh keeps it like obviously look searching for that one and yeah. hopefully he does it but um yeah like jj and tommy often speak of him and like how is he still going but like he's as big a hero as anyone else you know yeah definitely definitely but john there's, there's one medal you don't have and that's the championship medal with gary owen now you could come out for a few weeks and we could yeah. do it now center forward <laughs> i think i think that's a good segue giggles into our australian segment so we might take a quick little break and we'll come back and talk to john about his time here in australia traveling in a fight on a hippie trail head full of zombies I met a strange lady, she made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said, do you come from a land down under? A women go and men wonder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover Okay, we're back here with John Mulhall, it's great to have him on the line Um Look, John, we just, yeah, we touched in great detail there about your time in Kilkenny. And then I suppose you were just, you were saying about how, you know, you got to enjoy the rest of your 20s. And I think we were very lucky here in, in Gary Owen and in Melbourne that you enjoyed some of that time here in Melbourne with us. You, you arrived out in January you 20. You want to that timely. <laughs> <laughs> no, the start was good, John. You, you arrived in January 2014. It was all looking up. Uh <laughs> Well, I, look, I suppose, look, you had, you had hurled in America in the summer, I think it was, of 2008, I think it was, or 2007 with Chicago. Yeah. And then, you obviously, you came across to play in, in Australia with ourselves. Like, what was the initial difference you noticed, I suppose, in terms of maybe, like, training set up or the team set up in terms of how the, the club was ran compared to Chicago? Did you, did you notice a difference between hurling in Australia and hurling in America? Um, it was more the background element of the, the scene us. Australia is very young, say the clubs are run by say the players, say twenties, thirties. Whereas in America it has that fifty years of fifty, sixty years of say you in forty years timely will be seventy with a few million in the bank <laughs> to bank roll very on, you know. Please God. So <laughs> you know what I mean? So it has that element where just kind of lads get looked after for the summers where in Australia it's still you just go out and lads settle up with jobs and different things like that but it doesn't have that financial element which is better probably really at the end of the day um I don't know how it like in because there's the same tribal aspect of it 
like when you go to America and you know you were there as well there could be four clubs in Boston or Chicago or whatever and while the hurling is on they're enemies and once the season ends they're best friends you know what I mean so they take on that mentality of um, disliking each other for three months you know what I mean (laughs) whereas yeah no that's they're both the exact same America and say the US in that terms and the the championships but you're in obviously over 10 years in Australia the standard has increased exponentially from just say the the, the the recession and the amount of lads that went out and that are still out there which is great for Australia and like looking forward it'll be hard like say with things picking back up over here it's going to be a struggle in Australia to keep up that level I suppose I don't know what you think yeah well what like you you went to Boston was it 2008 and then Chicago or Chicago 2008 and Boston 2014 did you notice a bit of a difference John when because I was in New York myself in 06 and it was nearly all university players that were going over or lads who were just 21 22 you get the flights you get the accommodation you get the job and you get a few grand was it was there more home-based players in 2014 when you went over because of the recession and people had migrated out there was it still the same college-based players that were kind of going out there yeah and it was no it was more kind of lads that were gone out living yeah and it was mainly kind of lads who'd gone out and you get a year's graduate visa once the year after you do your degree in ireland to go to america so lads are lads got very say once you'd come out of your degree you had to go straight to new york or chicago so a lot of lads were doing that and once you get, did that year you could stay on for like there's lads still there for the 10 years and then obviously in australia the same thing people were going out with trades and like all different manners of degrees and different stuff out to australia like australia is obviously in its boom time in relation to hurling and it definitely was when i was there in 2014 in terms of lads out there. Yeah, I think 2014 was probably the sweet spot because the the mining was booming in, in Western Australia. So we probably had the most players playing Gaelic games in Australia in that year. And probably from that year on, yeah. <coughs> sorry, excuse me, that year on it started to dip with, with, with the way Australia went down, or sorry, with Western Australia dipped with the mining a little bit. But back to your time here, John, obviously you, you were here for probably most of January, February, and you left in March. And obviously one of the big days in the GAA calendar in in Australia is the Pierce Sevens we've talked about on this show before a seven aside competition where every team comes to play in Melbourne for a one day comp and I suppose we were hoping you were going to be that leading light that shining star for us that in that competition and I think the hype of the Sevens even got to you John that you dyed your hair red the colour of Gary Owen the day before yeah. the Sevens I think and like I, I was there when that was done I'm pretty sure some of the peroxide got into your brain because the performance the next day did not reflect the John Mahal I knew is it fair to say you cracked under the pressure of the sevens and the spectacle of 2,000 people coming to see you with red hair yeah well like it was I did crack under the pressure of the day I will admit that um, but like there was a there was a full back line there with you in it as well so <laughs> that didn't perform either like so you know, I've, I've never I've we never seen so much abuse up and down the field from Mulhall to Lenin all day long <laughs> two of them bickering and fighting all day long two club mates 
on the same team. I feel but your, no, I feel your pain, John. <laughs> I went, I went, when Liam rang me to come on, I did a bit of research, but he wouldn't know this, but um, you see Liam as a teak, tough corner back. But actually, Liam, back in 18 years ago, nearly um, to the date, Liam led Kilkenny CBS Primary School to their eight schools title v Bally Hale. And playing that day was for Bally Hale was the best hurler in Ireland, TJ Reid. And I went back to the yearbook of that year, and Liam was a corner forward that day. I don't believe you. And I'll just read you a little passage from the. So it was to lead into the game, it was 2 5 to 1 2 at half time to Kikenny CBS. And I'll take it up where the, the yearbook takes it on. As the second half began, Bally Hale continued to apply the pressure on the CBS backline, with TJ Reid slotting over two pints from distance. There was, the so, there was some thrilling fear now as the crowd got behind both teams. However, a high lobbing ball by Dean Brennan was brilliantly doubled on in the air by our very own Liam Lennon. <laughs> Another goal by the same player was followed shortly afterwards by Bally Hale and followed by Bally Hale's final score, a free by TJ Reid. Best for the CBS was hat-trick hero, Liam Lennon. <laughs> now, that... That has never that has gone under the surface probably in Australia, but Liam actually is a hero. <laughs> that he is. That's trying to catch him on the features now for our championship plans. Yeah. <laughs> we have to now, change it up for championship. If any of you have ever seen Liam, Liam is completely one sided. So how <laughs> how the ball broke from three times in a row in that final is unbelievable. He normally <laughs> kicks the ball over here. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thanks for that, yeah, John. That was, well done, thanks for that, John. Yeah, that was great. That way, that is a long time ago. We actually bet John's school in the semi-final. Um, Muckley, yeah, we bet Muckley National School in the, in the semi-final. John was played a similar role to TJ Reid. I think he scored every score from Muckley in that match, but we we got the better of nice him. Nice bit of nostalgia there, though. Yeah, nice bit of nostalgia. Yeah, so that's how long I know yeah, John. I just thought, like you know, the, the listenership need to know that yeah. you know Liam. Liam has it, you know. <laughs> I think we should try and get the, the Kilkenny CBS primary school retro jersey or something like that. That would be an idea. That is a lovely jersey. <laughs> I'd be very surprised. I don't think they've won it since. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think they've Or maybe they only won it once, maybe, since. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that, John. That was a great little story. Thanks for doing that bit of research no, as well. I just, I just an aside there. Yeah. But anyway, back to you cracking at the sevens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, but I think, look, obviously, look, we've talked about the sevens before on the show, but for you, like, as obviously, aside from the, the matches aside, we didn't obviously go too well that year, but did you enjoy, I suppose, the day of the sevens? Like, the way there's such, a, I suppose, a buzz in Melbourne that day with every team being around, and obviously the night and the next day and the next day after that. Was it something, like, obviously, uh, yeah, was it something you enjoyed? Day. Like, I, met, I met a, a clubmate of mine, Shane Comfort, that day, who... Like I didn't even know it was hurling and met him randomly just walking through the park. And like it's an unbelievable couple of days. But like hurling in Australia that year was unbelievable standard in terms of the guys who were out there. Um and the league matches even the standard was like when I went home I hadn't missed any I was 
wasn't any further behind or anyone else, you know, that the standard there was unreal at that time. I think I think he actually still is, like Aaron Cunningham's gone out this year. So there's still huge quality players going out to Australia. Yeah, I think he actually ended up losing five kilos, John, did you? Well, no, I lost about fifteen, I think, but that was that was because you weren't feeding me properly. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be mean with the old biscuits, all right, wouldn't he, John? <laughs> yeah, no. It, 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 I used to steal his wheat picks every morning, <laughs> and you know, like he used to go mental. But like that was that was Liam. He had a good heart at the back. <laughs> he likes his grub, all right. Yeah, look, I I do remember that. Like John was obviously staying with me, and like he was, he did get the year long visa, so I was hoping we had him for the year obviously now it only ended up being eight weeks but I reckon it would have been longer hadn't it been for Charlie Carter was the manager of John's club at the time um, St Martin's Muckalee and Charlie was ringing John in Australia to have him come back for the first round of the league in Kilkenny and what ended up happening no matter what John would say now John was back for the first round of the league for, for St Martin's mm. so I blame Charlie yeah. Carter. If Charlie Carter hadn't been making those phone calls, I reckon we could have went far in, in the championship that year. You might still be out here. Yeah, you might still be here. Might still. You, you, you wouldn't be getting married, darling. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I'd very be, fair point. <laughs> yeah, I'd be still looking after you. <laughs> no, but but look, that, uh, that that aside though, like that year for you, I think like in terms of a career for a hurley, you came out and played in Australia. January to March you went back and played in, in Kilkenny Championship for the next three months then you got a phone call from Boston you went out and played at Father Tom's in June, July you were hospitalised got a, a very bad infection am I right in saying that John? yeah yeah one it was a, I think it was cellulitis John back got. out to Boston to hurl the final back into school on the Monday yeah <laughs> like you had an absolutely ridiculous year of hurling that year and I think it's it goes back, back. And then we got to the county semi-final with Ballyhale that year and we were bet by Ballyhale in the semi-final and that was probably our last hurrah at senior level for the club um, in terms of competing at senior level but um, yeah no like it's great that people get the chance to go around the world even now like the Middle East is after picking up GAY. So you have Australia, you have the Middle East, teachers can go out or anyone can go out and say, have that Irish diaspora in the Middle East. You even have it probably in Europe and Asia and even obviously the US is still there. So like, it's unbelievable that you have those options to go travel the world and still be connected to home. Yeah, and I think I think what's fascinating about that is I think it's what you said though as well is like the opportunity that you did have because of what happened Michael Kenny that you got to live your 20s and that particular year you got to hurl in three different continents mm-hmm. you know what I mean you won you won one championship and you lost out in two others but like you know if, if you had been playing Michael Kenny you know you're still in there or whatever but like to have those life experiences I suppose in those different countries and make those friends along the way I know obviously myself and yourself go way back by now you know, like if Shawnee here who you hurled with, if you were to meet Shawnee back in Ireland again or you'd meet some of the boys you hurled with over in Boston, like and I think 
that's what it's all about and I even seen it with yourself giggles lads come down for the sevens this year lads you would have hurled with over in America or lads you would have hurled with in college like, that's the great thing about the GEA community is that you end up coming across these fellas again yeah. you know and it's really special you get to meet them for a drink after and have a chat and what they're up to and where they're up to with their lives and only for playing hurling or Gaelic football or lady supper or camogie you might never see those people again yeah. no you would you'd be, you'd be totally lost to it and it, it is like there's no better enjoyment than sticking the ball over the bar sticking the ball in the back of the net like and you just lose that if, you, if you're not able to play hurling or football so mm. yeah and, this, and, that, and that GA camaraderie as well like it's it's very unique and it's very special and it's the same I suppose camaraderie you get all around the world no matter what, what, what club you play for or what team you play with and, I, and as John alluded to there earlier as well about like the tribal like aspect as well you, you're from you're Sean you're from Wargrass Hill yeah and like I'd have met like John Halbert from your club I'd have met him in Chicago I played with him in UCC yeah. met him in Chicago say years later and as if we never um, played against each other but like it was like we met up and talked and it was meeting lads like that you hadn't met in years and seeing them again across the world you know yeah. it's unreal it is it's very unique isn't it yeah I think I think we're in a very lucky oh, we're in a very lucky position to be still I suppose playing the games and the involvement that we have and what we get out of it socially as well as playing the games like like you can say winning games but it's not all about that playing the GA overseas but look we, that might just take a little break there and we, we'll come back again with John after this one that time of year again obviously we started the podcast back in August last year we're right in the middle of championship season and hurling of football and it's a Monday night here in Melbourne and we're facing into the the start of the hurling calendar this weekend we've got two games we've got Offaly and Galway on Saturday and Dublin and Kilkenny on Sunday but just to take a step back from that we do have a very special prize to give away. Now, we're, we're not announcing the details on today's show because we're waiting to lock in one or two more details. There's a couple of people trying to get on to promote us. We're going so big. <laughs> um, but the, the competition 
we're going to announce now it does have some more rules and regulations this time so there can't be any dispute after very straightforward giggles you want to just talk us through what the competition is yeah so we're going to get into our own predictions now in a minute with the three of us and john and um but basically it's predicting your one to five in the leinster championship and the monster championship in terms of how the table is going to finish up so if you think that waterford are going to win all their four games you'll put waterford in first Followed by Tipperary, Limerick, Clare, and then Cork on the bottom. You know, the usual kind of way. That's Giggles' is five, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's not, actually, you know. <laughs> but then in, in, in Leinster, if you think Galway and Wexford and Offaly are going to be the three teams to go through, and Dublin and, and Kilkenny will be the bottom two, you'll put your table like that. But you send them in, and basically, we're hoping that it'll just be one person that gets it spot on. It's going to be a hard predictor because there's 10 positions. And if nobody gets a spot on, we're going to pick the closest to the win- to the to the ten. That's the way yeah. we're going to run it. Beautiful. So one to five in Munster, one to five in Leinster. And for those who are listening, going, what are they on about? Listen to I think it was episode seventeen of the podcast. Everyone is playing each other once in Leinster and Munster this year. It's a league format, and that decides on the positions. Okay, so that's the competition. You're one to five in Munster, one to five to Leinster. Send them into Akadega on Twitter. Akadega on Instagram or gadega at gmail.com and some confusion on that email it's g-d-a-y-g-a-a at gmail.com so thanks for bearing with us we still have John on the line John obviously we're looking at a new format this year we've just t- touched on it briefly there like, I suppose who are you tipping for the Ireland for this year and who are you tipping to come out of Munster and Leinster I don't know it's first of all the form, new format is going to be unbelievable like in terms of it's going to put hurling on the map from say next week until the end of July when the Super 8 starts so hurling has its own little two months now of a wait like the idea of an away day like a soccer based away day is already exciting here in Kilkenny in terms of like you have a good crowd going to Parnell Park for a full house next weekend you'll have Kilkenny and Wexford will be a sellout in Nolan Park. You'll have Kilkenny v Gal- Galway v Kilkenny away for Kilkenny, another away day. Um, and then you have, say, the match versus Offaly then in in Kilkenny. So that's probably the only one that won't be a sellout. So, like, and obviously then the Munster had bigger stadiums, obviously, so they won't be sellouts, but it's going to be unbelievable. I don't know what you think, like. Yeah, we think it's going to be a cracker here too. We're going to be glued to it over here because it'll be week after week, as you said. It'll be like, I guess it'll be like a proper, even though it is championship, it'll be like a league format, like like any other decent league in any other sports, like where you have AFL or you have American football or basketball or whatever it is. Finally. The Munster, the Munster Championship, Shawnee, will be like you take the top six premiership teams, say Tottenham, United, yeah. City, and you literally... Get rid of all the other clubs and just run off a league of six. You're for dead six right. Weeks. You're dead right. It'll be unbelievable. Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. I, I think it'd be, be fair to say if you, if you put the club position aside, and that's a whole different ball game. But I think in terms of structure, yeah, that's they've a got disaster. But yeah. walk into that. They've they've got they've got two even groups of five. They've got the best teams playing the best teams. 
and you're going to have six teams come out. It's like it's so it's not easy. I remember we were giving out in an episode a couple of weeks ago. Maybe I was giving out about the fact that actually the team who finishes fourth is gone. You know what I mean? And one of the John McDonough teams gets yeah. in. But at the same time, that just makes it so competitive. You can't lose two games or you're gone. Like and and it's every game be, matters. Every yeah, single game every matters. Every single game matters. So it's going to be it's the argument be of brilliant. the four place. The argument of the four place team not getting through. Like there has to be a cut off. And there has to be an incentive from my time with Kildare for the lower teams. So the Joe McDonough thing is brilliant, I think, that you have six teams there that are all fundamentally equal after the games yesterday. And then they have the fill-up of getting to... Uh, uh, they're getting their big day out, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I see your point, like John, you, on, the, on the whole, the whole giving them their... Sorry, John. I, I I see your point on the whole Joe McDonough thing, and I I agree. Just good to the get, but at the end of the day, I think you're kind of setting two teams up for a hammering. Like the team that'll come third in both Leinster and Munster have to play off, I believe, the McDonough finalists. Let's say, so you're you're kind That's of exactly. it, it is. And look, I I don't think Antrim or Carlow or Westmead or Kerry will cause a shock in the Liam McCarthy. I think the gap is too big, and. I don't know. Mm. It's good to give them their their opportunity, but at the same time, I just think you'll have these unbelievable matches for five weeks in a row, and then you're going to have two hidings, which could kind of take the glass off the whole new championship structure before you get into the serious business of the quarterfinals. It's 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 it's, it's a funny one for me, and it doesn't sit right. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any system that is ever going to be perfect. You know no. what I mean? Yeah, like Look, the yeah. 90, 90 system of one match was unbelievable because <laughs> you had it was uh, 50, you had fifty thousand, and it was one day out a year, and you knew that the place was going to be packed because yeah. it was your, your only day out, but it was still terrible because you only had one day out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this new system is great. That probably to be less at the matches in Munster, but you still have four games. So. Look, you can't have everyone. No. And look, John, just back to me, actually, original question of who do you think is going to come out of Munster, who do you think is going to come out of Leinster, and who are you tipping for All-Ireland? Well, my club here at home is running um, a competition, inter-county bounty, and yet they have to predict every game. So we put out 1,200 cars and we've got a few hundred back. And the Munster champions on most of the cards, I'd say over... 70% are having tip as the winners of Munster and then as the winners of Leinster it's a 50-50 split Kilkenny and Galway yeah and then you have your couple of Wexfords but very few so that's that's Tipperary seem to be and then Limerick's performance boosted them a little they're probably second in the running according to this um, the population the of Mokali, they're a very re- reliable source. <laughs> yeah, very, very. Well, it's kind of, they're gone out around the county and different counties. So, yeah, it seems to be Tip and Limerick are getting most of the kudos. Waterford, unfortunately, are getting very little for a team that were in the All Ireland final. Yeah, they're a- as far away from an All Ireland as they ever have. I, 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 yeah, there's definitely a sense of that around Waterford that. 
Maybe it was Derek McGrath's time to go after the final last year. Maybe they need to implement a new system with the the players that they have because they have a fantastic squad. But it just you get the feeling that there's a little bit of staleness in it now with the whole sweeper system. I'm I'm hoping, but I didn't get the feeling at home when I was at home that there's going to be a change and McGrath will rally the troops and they'll come with another force. I do think they'll finish in the top three, but um, yeah, I'm I'm not as confident on, on Watford this year as I was. The last three years, they were just building, building, building. But we'll yeah. see. You never well, like, know. I, like, Shane Bennett was so integral to that system they were playing that with without him being there, they need to change their system more or less. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my, my, my view on Shane Bennett, John, is that he's probably one of the best forwards Watford have from a scoring perspective. So to sacrifice him to run around like a, a blue arse fly for 55 minutes and take him off and he only scores a point to me is insane like I'd love to see a full forward line of Morris at full forward as a target man and having the likes of Shane Bennett and Stephen Bennett Patrick Hearn off him and you know old school 15 aside maybe thinking there but I, I'd feel they do reckon you'd have Divine at centre forward from Medellico and two more lively wing forwards with Morn and the brick in, midf- in, in midfield I think you have a, a really good team there but I, I just don't like the, the sweeper system at the moment I just don't think it, it's going like- to give him an All-Ireland yeah, like Cork, unbelievable last year. Could be the dark horses again. Now, why am I saying they're dark horses? I don't know really because they got to the Munster final champion. last year or won the Munster final. So yeah. the thing with the new system, you have to do it four days yeah. in a row. You know, so and then another three or know. two potentially after that. So it's nearly seven games to yeah. win in Ireland. Yeah, it's the, it's the, I think Michael Dygan had an article in the, I don't know what paper it was at home during the week, but the, the headline was like, it's the, it's the hardest all Ireland anyone will ever win will be this yeah, year. Yeah. has to be. You know what I mean? Because you everyone will have played the same amount of games, more or less, unless you you come through third or that, and you go through a quarter final. But it's not like the days that Kenny could win four games and win all Ireland. Like, that day is yeah, gone now. Yeah, beat Leash and Offaly and then get a handy yeah, semi-final. Here we go. <laughs> but, like, I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating. We're, we're really looking forward to it. Now, I'm going to make a bold claim for Giggles. I think Watford won't... I don't think they'll come in the top three. Are we doing our predictions as well? No, we won't do ours now. We won't okay. do ours now. We, we, we might put them up on the Twitter after, but... Um, I don't think they will. I think it's going to be Munster's going to be fascinating yeah. as as well as Leinster. But I I, I think Warford. I th- do you know what I think is a big factor is that McGrath said he's stepping down this year. He's more or less said that a couple of times, and yeah. like I think that was a silly thing to do. Like the boys have bought so much into that system, and like you see it in the soccer when someone says they're going, they're going like. Yeah. Yeah, there does be a drop off in performance. It happened with United with Alex Ferguson that year. He announced like I'm going after this year, and then. When he went the second time, he just said at the end, I'm gone. Yeah. You know, I think it's a lesson to be learned. Yeah. Like, the, what could prove us all wrong? But I think there is that bit of staleness around it. Do you there know is, what I mean? Yeah. I, I think I think it's interesting. Hurling is, is very different to football, whereas, like, you look at the Kerrys and you look at the, the Dublins and the Mayos, they've been building strength and conditioning over a three or four year period and they become dominant. I think in hurling, like, the physicality has obviously gone up enormously over the years, but it still comes down to a skill based game. And if you can get like, a run together for six. If, for six yeah, if you can get a run together for six weeks in training in a camp and hit the championship at the right level, you can, you can get relegated from Division 1 or you can have a bad league. Yeah. And suddenly you can kind of just catapult yourself in. And I think that's what the Munster and Leinster Championship is going to throw up this year, is that the team who can get a bit of momentum 
will will actually surprise somebody and, and like everyone's looking at Tipperary as the guaranteed and I agree with you there John 70% think they'll win the Munster I don't believe they'll win the Munster I don't think their forwards um, have played together enough yet like James Cannon's going to come in Bonner's going to come back in but they haven't played that much their Tipperary club championship has gone on right up until last week and their backs are suspect and and every kind of team that's played against them this year knows well, that they, moving like the 20th of May they're playing Limerick in Limerick and that will be a massive game and then Cork v Clare that weekend as well like that could like whoever wins those two games will have momentum going into the rest of the games yeah. you know agreed and, and I think from a Waterford point of view sorry to be selfish on the, but the Waterford Clare game is the first game and that will make or break Waterford if Waterford lose to Clare in Ennis which is a bloody yeah, fortress Park. imagine that Jesus yeah. Christ but sure yeah. the other thing as well is like Waterford have no home game as well so everything is against them really they're playing all their games away I know Torless would probably they'd regard that as a more or less you know home game for them but they're still away from home you know they have to travel to every single game so and two of them are in Limerick which is like for a Waterford City person that's a two and a half journey mm. hour journey up and back it's crazy I won't reveal my sources but I've heard Waterford are trying out a new game plan. Oh, there we go. Now. That's a, G, a G-A GA exclusive. <laughs> Was there yeah. Richie Foley by any chance? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think they'll um, have to push um, Austin Gleeson back up into the forward line now again that um, Bennett has gone. And you know what the game plan was? Go for it, John. Tell us. The half-backs are in the half-forward line for the puck-outs. <laughs> Are you being serious now or are you slagging them? I've actually met I'm not messing. They're 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 flying up, the wing backs are flying up the field for the puck outs and they're nearly like push everyone into the forwards. It's it's going to be a very innovative if they do it. Oh my god, we'll be all watch, I, the, space. watch, the, space. watch the space. Yeah, watch the space. Yeah. Well, watch this space, yeah. Could you imagine seeing Conor McGrath and Shane Shane O'Donnell with acres of space if yeah. the two wing backs go missing? Jesus. Oh god. <laughs> and look, yeah, on that as well. Yeah, it, what's very interesting from obviously from a just uh, the championship this year is we're delighted we're getting all these extra games, which makes it fantastic. But for being an overseas people like ourselves, not you, John, they're showing the same amount of games on TV this year. There's no actual extra games being broadcast. So RT announced their schedule yeah. what games they're going showing. We haven't got Sky's ones yet, well, I don't think. And Kilkenny, they are showing two Kilkenny's group games, RTE. But I think that's kind of an opportunity yeah. missed by the GEA that like Hurling is having this, I suppose, exclusive patch for the next two months, like John said there. But they're not taking advantage in terms of TV rights with it. Now, obviously, they probably want people to go to the game, so that's probably part of it. But from an, us being overseas, we're not going to see some of those games. That's sad. That's desperate. Mm. Didn't know that, no. Yeah. That's a big loss, isn't it? Big yeah. you know, revenue loss as well. Mm. I mean, advertisement alone for all those massive games. Yeah. You might get them though on airs. No, you won't. No, they're just no. not. They're, they'll be on like this, the highlights package on the Sunday TG game. TG Carawan pick no, them up. No, it's 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 RT and Sky have. It's they're in that middle of that deal. You oh, see, yeah, yeah. but it, you would have thought they would have amended it to include some extra games. But anyway, that's that's where that one's up yeah. to. But John, I suppose just onto you know we've had ten minutes of giggle song about Warford there. Just onto <laughs> the to the weekend, I suppose we do have two games. We have the All Ireland champions who haven't even got a mention yet. Um, are in, out in their first game against Offaly up in. I'm not sure where in Offaly is that in Burrs in Tullamore I'm not actually sure Tullamore Tullamore O'Connor Park, O'Connor Park thanks John Come on. that's what we have you that's what, that's what we have <laughs> you on the ground there John for us um, but like 
Lucky, you could look it's at this. Bored more now, Connor Park as well, Liam. So oh, thanks, just for future. Right? We might get bored the more now as a sponsor. Um, but look, you could say, "Oh, you look at that. That's a dead rubber going up there for Galway." But really, is it a potential banana slip there going up there first game of the of the championship? They haven't really made any great inroads in the league. People are questioning whether they have the mentality to do a back to back, which hasn't been done by a team outside of Kilkenny or Cork since Galway. Um, do you think this is a dead rubber one for? for Galway John or, or do you think Offaly could cause a shock um, can't see it happening Galway like f- size wise fitness wise hurling wise I know Kevin Martin has Offaly flying and going the best they've done in years but you can't look past a Galway victory there um, Dublin v Kilkenny is an interesting one in Parnell Park Um. Wouldn't it be unbelievable if Conor Callan was playing for Dublin? <laughs> um, but without him playing, I can't see Dublin winning. I'd say Kilkenny to struggle maybe three points, close game. Galway to win by about six points. I think I think Giggles, you're looking. You really think you could see an upset in Parnell Park on Sunday? I I kind of be more along the lines of John's thoughts there. I think it'll be a struggle, and I think I think the difference will be TJ Reid and maybe Walter Welch because if you if you look at the Dublin forward line, you look at you don't look at any TJ Reid or Walter Welch. It's like give Conal Keeney coming back and Jesus, he's 35 years of age. Like and you know you nearly give him the walking stick at this stage. Oh, harsh. You, you, you've kind of got a couple of young lads coming through and when they come up against and it mightn't be the most experienced Kilkenny backline but a Kilkenny team in the first round of the championship you can't see major score coming out of it now Dublin's only chance is that it's in Parnell Park it's a tight field the crowd being on top of them there'd be the ah, Jays is roaring in from the from from the, from the <laughs> sidelines and and it's not a nice place to go and Dublin have a great record there and Dublin I guess at the start of this decade would have had the best record against Kilkenny teams as well so these young guys don't f- fear Kilkenny teams because they've beaten them at schools and they've beaten them at underage so that's the only reason I, I, I would believe it'll be a tight game do I think Kilkenny will lose the game I don't I think I agree with John I think about three points for Kilkenny the Galway Offaly game I'd be predicting maybe somewhere between 12 and 15 point victory for, for Galway I think they'll come out and I think I think they'd, I think Kevin I think Kevin Martin has done a great job but I think they'll come out in the last 15-20 minutes will be when Galway will take over Shani what way are you seeing the weekend going? Um, similar to lads in uh, Kilkenny and Dublin I think I think Dublin will will pressurise them a bit but I think I think Kilkenny will cause past them maybe 6 or 7 points um, the other game Galway and Wexford very very tight game I think Galway probably will have a bit too much on Wexford um, but I would only see that by about 2 or 3 points yeah I think I suppose John looking at Kilkenny there we won't go into it in huge detail but the start of the league to now there's a huge sense of optimism in Kilkenny you know we probably thought we we're going to have a, a very challenging year we, we will have a, still have a tough year I think I think if Kilkenny gets in our semi-final it's a good year for Kilkenny if we get there we have a great chance after that but you know the the journey they've gone on in that league and you might say that the league hasn't been the same quality as other years and that's fair enough but Kilkenny have blooded new players a lot of those players have stepped up yeah. you know the argument that the league wasn't as good as standard of other years like Kilkenny won that league you know now TJ Reid has moved on to a different stratosphere <laughs> yeah in, comp- in terms of everyone else um, but like all the other teams have improved Kilkenny won the league due to TJ Reid's brilliance 
and just the confidence those young players got through the league. And Kilkenny will be dangerous going forward. Do I think they'll win the All-Ireland? I can't see it, but if they if they get through Leinster, as you said, they'll take stopping. And John, yeah. on, on that, i tell you an interesting one here. I have a bet with Giggles, right, that we put on after the Hurling finished up last year, right? A $500 bet. We put this out now to the listeners to see what they think. They think this is a good value or not, right? Giggles doesn't think... Funny, after the All-Ireland Final... After the All-Ireland Series last year, he was riding high in Waterford getting to the All-Ireland Final and Kilkenny hadn't had a great year. A $500 bet that Kilkenny won't win All-Ireland by 2022. Now, who do you think is looking good at that bet at the moment? Uh, Kenny. Now, Jesus, before you answer, before you answer, before well, you answer, it'd be the longest time mm. Kenny hadn't won All Ireland. It'd be seven years if they hadn't won All Ireland by then, and the last time was ninety three to two thousand. I say I'm safe, am I? You're safe-ish, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Like you're looking, Richie Latty, Mossy Kion, Aris. Like, I think Richie Lattie is as good a hurler Kilkenny's produced in the last 20 years, and it's going to be unbelievable, but he's young. You don't know, but, like, Kilkenny will always produce those players. Like, there's three, like, there's 16-year-olds there in Kilkenny now that in three years' time, say, will be top hurlers, you know? So there's always hurlers coming through. Um, would, you, would you be worried about the over-reliance and like let's say if TJ pulls his hamstring in the first round of the, the, the Leinster Championship you, you'd be kind oh, yeah. of thinking then yeah, well, then, our goose is then our goose is cooked for this year yeah yeah yeah. yeah. He's, they're so reliant on TJ yeah. this year I agree with you and you've got your man from Ballyhale is coming through who's minor what's his name Mullen, Mullen yeah. looks like Mullen. a serious player altogether like they, they're obviously going to keep producing but, but I, I'll throw a sneaky $50 bet every year I, to get into Indian Ireland just to hedge it you know? I, don't I have think, to give him the 250 <laughs> I think there's a lot of scrutiny on Kilkenny and, and TJ Reid but like if you if you do take players of the calibre TJ Reid out of any any of the other counties you know you know, all bets are off as well so yeah. it's not just Kilkenny are liable to that I think if you took a tie to Burke out of Waterford or Gleeson out of Waterford you're in big, big trouble in like We that, didn't have you know? time to work and we still bet you in the semi-final last yeah, well, year. You <laughs> yeah, you also had a numerical advantage as well. So. Just we had a I just think, though, I think, John's point, TJ Reid has gone to a level. Yeah. Liam's get, get rid of that phone, Liam, whatever you do. <laughs> I don't know how that. But he's gone to a level where he'd be, he's just unmarkable. You could put two lads on him. He'd still catch the ball yeah. from the puck out and drive it over the bar or bring a player into it. He's... He's doing this. now... He's the, What TJ Reid is missing... Oh God, dare I say it to be <laughs> one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest, is he hasn't had an All-Ireland 2012 like Shefflin. Hmm. Now, I'm just talking about the way he's playing currently at the moment, the beast he's become physically, that maybe there has he can jump higher than any G hurler has ever jumped. He can catch more balls He's the best striker. As he is now, he's the perfect specimen of a hurler. He has everything. Yeah. And I wouldn't say there's any player within a country mile of him in Ireland at the moment. Big yeah. extent. No, hard to argue with that, John. Very yeah. hard to argue with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're so, we're, we've always been so lucky in Kilkenny, as well as any other county team, but we've always had 
I suppose, a marquee forward. And after Shefflin went, I suppose we thought it might be Richie Hogan who was going to take on that mantle for us, but it has been TJ. Or Richie took it on as yeah. well for a few years. But I suppose, uh, through injuries, I suppose, yeah. TJ probably has been the more the more dominant. And, yeah. he, and this year, I think, like John has said, there's no one near him at the moment, forwards wise, probably in the country. Jason um, Ford is probably the closest thing to him, but uh, I mean, there's different qualities there in the both of those players. Yeah. I don't think Jason offers the same oh, no, variety that, to his game. That, I suppose. That he's the closest fella He's probably the closest moment. one, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your prediction for the weekend, Liam? Yeah, look, I'm going to go with Kilkenny and I'm going to throw a curve, but I think Offaly will come close to Galway. I think Galway will win, but I think it's going to be closer than they think. I don't, I don't know. I think there's not really been said that game, that home and away thing. Galway, I think we'll find it hard up there in Tullamore. What's, what's the margin in the Kilkenny Dublin game? Kilkenny will be five points. That's what I'm going to go for there. Five yeah. Yeah, and we'll put up our predictions for the, the those top two tables then, um, as per the competition as well. But get yours into Academia. Look, John, we won't keep you any longer. You've been very generous with your time. I know it's a bank holiday Monday there in Ireland, and you're off school and you're back tomorrow. Uh, you're currently teaching up in Dublin, John. Are you involved with any hurling team up there? Just before we let you go, or is it all soccer? No, we have we have a hurling team, but um, yeah, no, it's mainly just soccer and Gaelic teams in the school there so that's the the hurling keep the hurling in certain parts of Dublin is a uh, hurlings are like machetes more so than where's the school John Green Hills College in Dublin um, one one of the great institutions of our time <laughs> <laughs> very high calibre of staff they have as well um, but, yeah. look, but look John thanks we've been great with your time um, we might get you on again later in the year as we do some of the previews um, yeah and we'll be thanks, sure to be you've been a wonderful host and thanks lads thanks, Th- John. thanks John we'll talk to you soon take thanks, care John. see you later Guy Henry stood up to a penalty, toughest penalty he was ever going to face in his life. You know everything riding on it. He just buried it. You know, and, and was uh, it a penalty, Brian? Do you think? Dermot Kerwin certainly gave a penalty. I mean, I, I, if you want to start wondering about all of the frees in the course of the game, you'll have a fairly, fairly busy time. Did you think yourself was a penalty, Marty? Well, I, I wasn't too sure, but it, it just seemed a little bit dodgy in, in the replay. I have no idea, Marty. Did you check all the other frees as well to see where they dodgy oh. also? <laughs> Maybe you should. Maybe you should. In, in terms of the referee, did you, were you pleased overall? I'm sure you are now, considering you've won the All-Ireland, but did you think he allowed a lot to go? Oh, Marty, please, give me a break. Will the referee, uh, referee, we're supposed to say nothing about referees. I make a habit of saying absolutely nothing about referees. During McCurman, I was, I'm certain in my head, was going out to be the very, very, very best he possibly could be. You seem to have had a problem with him, you tell me. Look, I think we're very lucky to have John on the line there and giving us his time there for an hour, boys. You know, some great insights there. I mean, Sean, you have lucky. Sean, we played with him out here and you, you had him for a couple of months. Giggles, he came after, or just before you actually, you came the next year. Yeah. So, from the sound of things, though, we might get him out in June. It'd be all right, wouldn't it? <laughs> he's, uh, 
He's he's one in a million, isn't he? He's a real character of the yeah. GA, like isn't he? He epitomizes the GA himself. <laughs> like he, he like I know he's a bit of a footloose and fancy free kind of a guy and you know, it sounds like he doesn't care, like but he really has the love of the GA in his heart, like and you know, like everywhere he's went it's it's he is always drawn to the GA, like mm. Yeah, I think I think it was interesting, you know, you you'd kinda look for the banter often, but at the heart of it then when he started talking seriously about two thousand and eleven and reaching the pinnacle with the greatest team of all time, winning all Ireland medal with them and him associated it was it was clearly something he was very proud of and uh do you know, he's look. You sent on his his Wikipedia list of achievements there, Liam, and it's no mean feat at all. I tell you. Yeah, and I think one thing as well was back. It's just sorry to cut in there, Liam. And another thing as well, like he like he did raise it as well. Like he, the one honor he did win was it within was in the best one of the best teams or regarded as the best teams of all time. Like I mean, he's done it right right at the top, and you know, and has walked away from the game with not earning his back pocket on one of the greatest teams of all time. So. Yeah. Like he's he's done it all right now. Definitely, so no, he has, he has, he he's did. done it all, he's done it all and more. And look, there's this one thing I forgot to bring up, and I'm good of it, but I can say it now, and he can't counter it. On his Wikipedia, Royal of Honours is four senior football club championships with Muckalee. The interesting one about that is John was a sub in all those teams, <laughs> you know. And you wouldn't you think this is if you look at those years, there was back in his heyday, back with Kilkenny in his prime, his athletic prime, his yeah. athletic prime. He was not on his club football team in Kilkenny. Yeah, so I love that one. That's well, that's one from there. He couldn't even make his own club football team. So sorry, John, you're not there to talk about that one now that you're gone. But yeah, I I, I really enjoyed seeing that. That's them when I know you didn't even play in those teams. But uh, look, moving on. That's a nice segue onto football. You probably think this is just a hurling only podcast. That is not true. We have a we have just had a fantastic game at the weekend in New York, where. Unfortunately, history wasn't made when it looked like it was going to happen this time that New York were going to go over the line, but Leitrim picked them, peeped them at the end. Yeah, I think everybody was looking on at this game thinking that this was going to be the year. You had Neil Patrick Collins from Roscommon, who was like a stalwart in the Roscommon team, uh, playing cornerback for Roscommon. You had Tom Kniff, who was a member of the Mayo senior team for, for seven or eight years, and you had obviously Jamie Clark and a number of other star-studded players on this New York squad. They got a draw at full time. It went to extra time. They were a point up going into injury time. And look, you have to say fair play to Leitrim. It's got what population of about twenty five thousand people. Is all New York is a lot more than that. <laughs> and uh, they got over the line. I'm sure they'll be delighted coming back. Nobody wants to be that team that loses to New York in the Connacht Championship. But um, I think look, we're all very excited about the hurling championship kicking off. And I think the football is definitely going to be a slower burner in in that it's the same old schools style with like you'll have the Ulster Championship competitive Leinster will be fairly one dimensional as will Munster Connacht then though throws up a couple of options this year like you've got three division one teams in Connacht now in Roscommon Mayo and Galway and this weekend arguably you could kind of you could say it's going to make or break one of these two two team seasons you've got Mayo who are on the back of a poor league lot down a lot of injured players Killian O'Connor is a doubt Lee Keegan is, is definitely out against Galway who ran Dublin to three points or five points in the league final and who finished top and who are on the crest of a wave who've beaten Mayo in the last two years but if anybody knows anything about Galway-Mayo rivalries over the last year it's always the team who's expected to win nearly gets beaten whether it's Galway at home in Tume when they were the All-Ireland champions or nearly there in 2002 or vice versa Mayo in 99 when they were going really to win that Ireland Galway turn them over it's such an intriguing game Galway versus Mayo it's like one of the greatest rivalries in football it's up there with Cork and Kerry uh, and arguably Dublin and Mead and 
it's just going to be a cracker, I think, this weekend. Galway are gone very defensive, but have serious forwards, and they've got what we call the Michael Murphy Jr., Mr. Comer up front. Mayo have been kept very quiet, so it's just another game that's going to throw up the whole championship this weekend, and looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think, look, we've got a massive few months ahead of us here on the show, but also in the GA calendar. We're going to do our best to keep on top of Everton. It's going to be hard for us. We are probably limited to one episode a week, which we're going to try our best to do from here on in. So stick with us if we're covering a bit more football on week than hurling or a bit of hurling on week more than football. And we also want to make sure that we're covering what's going on here in Australia as well and what's happening in the GA more generally. So, um, look, thanks very much for coming along this evening and, and having us here tonight, Shani. Thanks, lads. Thanks for a great uh, episode. Yeah, thanks for coming along, Giggles, as always. And thanks very much to John for giving us his time again. And also that this, this evening show is brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers. It is their 100th year, their centenary year. They had a bit of a celebration in Dublin during the week with some cakes and balloons and some nostalgia. Some people are back in, in the head office there. So best wishes to all them in their centenary this year. And We'll be back next week and we'll talk to you again. Thank you. Bye-bye.